0: express love in a lot of different ways. Uh, Valentine's Day has been established as a particular day of the year when lovers uh, enjoy expressing their love for one another through balloons and flowers and uh, gifts of chocolate. Uh, there are birthday celebrations when we express love to children or friends, and it's an amazing opportunity to be able to do that at least once a year to be celebrated and to be Hearing expressions of love from others, a uh, friend sometimes will celebrate their their friendship and the love that they have mutually to each other uh, by uh, preparing photo collages of some particular moments, a particular shared vacation, or uh, just a lifetime and years spent together and enjoying one another's company. Sometimes love is expressed uh, when uh, a person loves shopping for greeting cards and uh, when they come across that perfect greeting card that expresses precisely what they would want uh, to, to say and say it so much better than they think they ever can. It becomes quite a gift and an expression of love, uh, maybe to a parent during a wedding anniversary or whatever it might be. Uh, how does God express love? When we think about love human one to another, we, we can think of a lot of different ways that we express love to each other. But how does God express love in a way that's really understandable, in a way that's tangible. Yes, you may say, if if you uh, are a Christian following Jesus, you might say rightly that, well, the, the love of God is expressed in the coming of Jesus uh, into the world. And you'd be exactly right. The Bible says that uh, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to live us, And you might rightly also say, well, the love of God is, is demonstrated most clearly in the death of Jesus on the cross for humankind, for our sin, so that we could have a real and, and active and forever relationship with God. And you'd be exactly right. And you might even quote to me that greater love has no one than this, the Bible says, that he laid down his life for his friends. And you'd be exactly right. And those, those are the right theological answers. But how do we know God expressing love today, in our day? How do we, we sense that and see that in an ongoing way when those act, actions of Jesus happened 2,000 years ago? One of the great resounding answers that the Bible has to say is in the way that we love each other is through the way that we serve one another. It's our service one to another, our willingness to, to give each other what we need at the time for building up of the individual life and the building up of the church. And each time, sister and brother, each time that we serve one another, it's an expression of love and it's a tangible way that someone else is experiencing the love of God for them. And so service is a great uh, way of expressing God's love in the tangible realities of everyday life, even right here today. And it's through service so often, it's in serving somebody else, that we are able then, because of that service, to sometime down the line, be able to talk to them about the coming of Jesus into the world and the death of Jesus on the cross, those great expressions of God's love and how important, essential, indispensable those realities are to our actually knowing the love of God, and we cannot know the love of God without those realities. But service is so important, and serving others is the heart of deacon ministry. I began last week talking to you a little bit about what, what are we as church members of this church supposed to be? looking for when, when we nominate or we, we recommend somebody for consideration to become a deacon? And the Bible has a lot to say. If you want to uh, hear more about that, you can go to our website and listen to last week's sermon about uh, what sorts of things are we looking for in, in the characteristics of a deacon. Today, I would like us to, to think about and to look at <clears throat> um, one person in the scripture who was a deacon. And to learn from that life as much as we can to squeeze out from that this passage out of Romans chapter 16. Let me invite you to open your Bibles there. Romans chapter 16. And we're going to be introduced to Phoebe. And out of these two verses uh, where she is described as a deacon, we're going to try to, to understand a little bit more of how we learn what deacon ministry might be for this church, and how we aspire as a church for deacon ministry to be meaningful as the Lord intends it to be for us. So in Romans chapter 16, at the very end of Paul's writing, uh, we think that that in Rome it wasn't just a single church, it was uh, likely a a collection of uh, numerous house churches spread out around that great city of the first century. And Paul has been writing and touching on so many great issues and topics. It's in Romans that we have so much rich Theology and understanding the importance of the cross of Jesus and how God has expressed his love in that for you. And we come to chapter 16, and as is, is common in the letters of that time and, and in that area of the world, uh, he is giving greetings to specific individuals. And uh, he, we come and we read this. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. He says, I commend to you. Our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Cancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So Phoebe, we don't know a whole lot about Phoebe, but she seems to be quite a a commendable person and a lover of the Lord and helpful in the work of the church and specifically in Paul's ministry. She lives and comes from the city of Cancria, which uh, was not far, kind of a suburb almost of the the Greek city of Corinth. It was a port city there, probably for uh, Corinth and uh, aiding the economy of that area. She probably is the one who has carried the letter from Paul to the church in Rome. And uh, she likely comes, and now as the one who is literally hand-held and carried and delivered the, the the letter into the hands of the leaders of the church in Rome, she now stands there as the scroll is unrolled and it's read, and they get to the end of the scroll, and Phoebe standing there among them, uh, they hear these words that I commend you, Paul says, our dear sister Phoebe, Paul is his recommendation. It's a recommendation. This is how recommendation letters were done in the day. He is saying, he's introducing Phoebe to the Roman church because they had not yet met her. And uh, we know uh, a little bit about her. One, one scholar has said that Phoebe, uh, this is a Bible commentator, he said, Robert Jewett, he said that, that Phoebe should be welcomed with honors. This is what Paul was saying. In other words, Phoebe should be welcomed with honors. Suitable to her position as a congregational leader, her previous contributions to the Christian mission, and her role in the missionary project envisioned in Rome. Uh, the Bible here, the, these two verses, give some descriptions about Phoebe. Uh, she is described as a sister. Uh, that doesn't mean a sister by blood or birth, but a sister by shared faith in Jesus. Uh, It's a pointer to how the family of God is knit together. God is the Father. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus are adopted into the family of God, and then together we become brothers And sisters, you know, Baptists, especially in other denominations uh, of generations ago, made it a point when they would address each other, when they got together for church functions and activities, that they would specifically call each other brother, brother Steve, uh, sister Leslie, uh, whatever it was, that's what they did on purpose to remind them. That we together forge the family of God being adopted uh, in that family. She is described as a patroness. A patron, uh, and that's an interesting word. Uh, we, we, we know out of uh, uh, Roman history and, and other ways that uh, someone that this word is used to describe somebody with a certain social standing and one who had uh, a, a good amount of financial means. She was wealthy, we, we presume, uh, to have been given this term as a description about her. It's possible that the believers in her city uh, gathered in her home. We don't know that for a fact, but it's very possible that she had a home large enough for the, the believers in her city to gather and to have uh, church gatherings in her home, because it probably would have been large. She seemed to have been one who supported the ministry and acted strongly uh, among uh, among them, she, some commentators suggest that Phoebe was sent to Rome, uh, not just to deliver the letter, but possibly to help uh, prepare Rome and the, the believers there's Rome as a launching pad for Paul's hoped for mission into Spain. That's very possibly what she was coming there for. And as a one who had been uh, spiritually and financially uh, deeply and significantly contributing to the church in her hometown, she now is sent by Paul with this letter to Rome. And it's very possible, we don't know for sure, but it's very possible that she was there. And, and when she is, uh, the Roman church is told to, to offer her whatever it means she seems and deems necessary, it's likely not that she had financial needs. It's very possible that she was there to help establish a base of operations for Paul's hoped-for ministry now into Spain. In fact, in chapter 15, he describes the area around the Mediterranean. As a place where his his goal and drive in the Lord had been to go where the gospel had not yet been preached, and there was now nowhere else in that part of the world for him to go because churches had been planted in so many cities and leaders had been built up, and now they were functioning without Paul there quite well as churches in their own standing, and so now he has hoped. He has put his sights on Spain, and he's hoping now to go there. It's possible that Phoebe has come from uh, Greece, carrying the letter that Paul has sent, very, very perhaps to help uh, create and establish a base of operations for the mission to Spain. So she's described as a sister in the Lord. She's described as a patron, one who uh, spiritually and financially contributed significantly to the work of God and the gospel uh, and, and its needs in her particular area. She's also described as a deacon. Uh, sometimes the word is translated servant, but many translators uh, believe that the word should actually be uh, understood as deacon. It's the same word used for deacon. Uh, some would want to translate the word deaconess, but nowhere in Greek is the word deaconess found in the first century in any Greek writings that we're aware of. And so the word was deacon uh, used to, to describe Phoebe. Um, She had obviously served her church faithfully, right? Had she not served faithfully, she would not have been entrusted by Paul to carry this letter to Rome and then instructed the Romans uh, both uh, as a recommendation of who Phoebe is and an imploring and exhortation that they would supply that which she needed very possibly for that Spanish mission. Uh, various scriptures will describe the way that she was so helpful in the faithful e- execution of her ministry. And on your screen, you've got several Bible translations here. Uh, it, one, uh, the IV describes her ministry, that she has been a great help to many people, including me, Paul says. Another says that she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. One more says, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. And then still another says that she, she's helped many a person, including me. So faith, Phoebe, in all the things that we don't know about her, what we do know is that she was faithful in the ministry that God had given her. She had obviously examined her life and, and whatever financial means she had, and she had determined herself to, to employ to give herself fully into the work of God. And now she's coming as an emissary for the Apostle Paul. Himself, I regularly describe deacon ministry this way. In fact, last last message last week, I described deacon ministry with these three descriptors. <clears throat> what is the life of a deacon? Phoebe is described as a deacon. a deacon. A deacon ministry, at the Tiburon Baptist Church at least, is a ministry of service. It's an opportunity to help other people. Another fact, uh, part of the ministry is that it's a ministry of presence. It's learning to position myself appropriately beside others so that I can be, in a sense, uh, 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 offering the presence of God, in a sense, in their life, a presence of the church in this person's life to help support and strengthen in their particular time of need. Ministry of deacons is a ministry of prayer where we learn to support one another to offer strength through prayer and to enter into the struggle that prayer often is in a world that is dark and broken. Here's what I want to finish the rest of our time with today. And what I said I would do last week is this. Is that I want to ask you, if you are asked by our deacon-nominating committee to serve as a deacon, why is it that you might take that a request, a recommendation of you seriously. I, I want to discourage you. If you were asked by our nominating committee to simply uh, uh, just disregard the request or to dismiss it out of hand without giving any consideration, okay? Here's why. Here's why I want to encourage you to consider, if you were asked, the next time you're asked, to really consider this ministry. Number one is that you have the opportunity to help others. Now that seems obvious. Phoebe, it's, uh, they went to great lengths, called in to describe how great of a help she was as a deacon in her church. Deacon ministry, we know the word deacon literally means servant. It's, uh, we saw last week in Acts chapter 6 how those first deacons emerged to, to help serve a need in the church, and they did that. But the help of others can be both uh, spiritual and tangible. Spiritually, it's about learning to come aside and to pray for people under your, your care. In fact, in uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 30, Paul talks about uh, prayer and struggle. <clears throat> he says this, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. So part of ministering as a deacon is to help others. Part of that help is spiritual help. And the greatest way to spiritually help someone is by praying with them and praying for them. It's entering into the struggle of life with them and the struggle of life in prayer for them. That's a huge part of what deacon ministry is intended to be, to help others in their spiritual walk, and then at times standing back and wondering, marveling at what God is doing in the life of others. So there's a spiritual help for others, but there's also tangible help. You know, deacons stand in many ways in the front lines of service to the church and to the members of the church. Our deacons often are the first to know of a job loss in in a a particular home, or a Perhaps financial needs in a home. And so they're often the ones that report first to the pastoral staff, and then we're able to engage in our benevolence ministry to be able to understand the need and help as we are able. And it's a really wonderful, tangible part of our church's love expression to one another. So the next time you're asked to be deacon, whether it's this year or a future year, I want you to prayerfully consider how God might want you to serve in that role in order to help. Other people. There there are other reasons that you should consider. Uh, A second one is that you have the opportunity to know other people on a deeper level. Okay, isn't that something we all want, is to really know each other on a deeper level? I know we talk about it a lot as a church, and it's certainly something we aspire to as a church. Deacon ministry puts you into a position, a relational position with other people, that you are able, where it's mutually beneficial. The other person gets to know you better and you get to know a handful of others better along the, the time of your, your service as a deacon. You get to help build up and establish, uh, build either build a relationship or deepen that relationship with other people during that season. It will challenge you. It will challenge you. Deacon ministry will challenge you. There's nothing boring or dull about life as a deacon in this church, during this stage of life in our world. Here are some ways it will challenge you. It it will cost you some of your time. It just absolutely will. On average, each deacon is given about 10 different households. And uh, they are charged with connecting with those households, checking in on them. They're asked to follow up with them and to understand as best they can what's happening in that home, how the church can be praying for them, are there needs that the church can help meet. And here's what we need also from others is that we we often hear reports from deacons. That they've made attempts to check in with you, and some some have just not responded. We know sometimes the, the communication may not have ever gotten through, but uh, if you've ever been contacted by your deacon and, and you've not had a chance to respond back to them, let me encourage you to do that because uh, it's so helpful to, to, to let them know that you've received their message and that you care uh, and that you're pleased to, to have been checked in on by them because they, they're trying to express the love of God to you. So uh, each, each deacon is given about 10 families and they're asked periodically through the year to check in on them and to understand what their needs are to be praying and prayerfully supporting them. Let me ask you a question. Uh, how many of you are in, not, are in zero need of having additional people praying for you? Raise your hand at home. If you do not need more people, pray for you. I, I hope that there's no hands up wherever you are right now. Because all of us need and, and benefit from the prayers of other people. And deacons, uh, that's a big part of what they, they do in their ministry. Deacons meet about nine times a year. And uh, we <clears throat> those meetings are really uh, so informative and they're so touching in the way that uh, deacons are expressing their love for one another. And I just want to tell you that even though it will cost you some time, it is an absolute wise gift of your time. It, you will not regret it. Uh, it will challenge you because you will encounter sometimes perhaps issues that you don't feel ready to address. You don't feel equipped to address. And you know what? I say to that, welcome to life. Uh, there there are so many moments in life where you, you might feel ill-equipped, <clears throat> and so for you to 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 not even consider deacon ministry because you you don't feel ready or prepared. We we want to help prepare you. We help do some training along the way. We want to encourage you along the way. Uh, But you will encounter some things that you don't feel ready for. And you know what I have discovered in my life? Is that when those moments come, uh, and issues presented in front of me that maybe I feel like I haven't studied well enough. Or I don't have a good base of knowledge about. I have learned over time, and I want to encourage you to to take that as a moment and an opportunity to to let the Lord take you deeper in understanding and exploring and studying that issue. A deacon might might have the the privilege of bearing witness to a marriage that's struggling. I I say privilege because you, you get to come and pray with them about that. Through the pain and the anguish of that. And there might raise new questions in your mind and heart of, well, what does the Bible really say about marriage? What what does the Bible say about divorce? And what, how should I help uh, contribute into this conversation for them? That's how it will challenge you, absolutely. Because there will be issues at times that you may encounter that you don't feel ready for. But I want to tell you this, that whatever the Lord calls you to, He will prepare you for. God calls you to, He will prepare you for. It. So you don't need to worry that you are not rightly positioned or you're not the right person. If God has called you, He will equip you, and the church will help along the way. It will challenge you because in ministry like this, you will, your need for God becomes increasingly vivid. You know, it, it can be easy for some of us to sort of Hang out in the shadows on the sides of the church, and kind of, kind of participating, but not overly deep, not getting overly involved, and, and in doing so, I'm never challenged, I, I don't have a lot of things out there, and uh, part of spiritual growth is being challenged at times. And in knowing and having a deepening sense of your need for the Lord, deacon ministry can present opportunities for you to very vividly remember your need for God. Because I want to tell you, no deacon does it perfectly. And if you're asked to be a deacon, and as you prayerfully consider that that request, I want you to know that you won't do it perfectly either. Can I get an (laughs) amen? You won't do it perfectly. You may wrestle with a sense of inadequacy. That's very common, that God comes and ministers in spite of your weaknesses. In fact, the Bible says that he ministers many ways because of your weaknesses. That's when people are able to see the presence and power of God through you. Because it's not in your natural strength or, or just in your education. It's in your availability to God that God is pleased to work through you so that God can do through you into that life What you or I can never do on our own. And that is the gift of God. Your need for God becomes so vivid. Uh, What Paul writes, uh, Jesus says to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12.9, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Here's another final way that you will be challenged as a deacon. Is that you will expend emotional energy. You will be called on to expend, on occasion, emotional energy. You will enter into, sometimes, the heartache of others in our church. You will share in the hope of others in our church. You will bear their sorrows and rejoice when they rejoice. A final reason for you to consider and to prayerfully think about deacon ministry if you are asked to serve in this role is that it? perhaps more than any other way, in a a tangible, real, down-to-earth way, it's an opportunity for you to grow spiritually. You will have a chance to grow spiritually. Others in the church, you, you will only be recommended if others in our church at this time are seeing things about your life, ways that you're living your life, and the wisdom that is displayed in your life, your name then gets put forward because somebody like Paul was commending Phoebe, there are others in the church who are commending you to be considered and evaluated for this role of service. Your spiritual life, I want to tell you, sister and brother, your spiritual life, it will be stunted if you do not find ways to regularly serve others. This church is filled with opportunities to serve. And if you are asked and and called to consider to be a deacon over this next deacon term, I want to invite you and encourage you so strongly to consider it prayerfully and to know, yes, you'll be challenged. Yes, it won't be easy. Yes, it's costly. But it is so rewarding to watch God work through you and to come up beside people and to help walk beside them in the joy and love of the Lord. The next time that you're asked by the nominating committee, won't you pray seriously about it? Here's here's what. Finally, we need everybody everybody who's a member of the church. We need you to be prayerfully this week uh, considering who you would recommend. Same way Paul is recommending Phoebe. Who would you commend to the church at the church and the deacon committee? ought to consider uh, to be invited into this really important deacon ministry of our church. Here's what you need to do, members of the church. We need you to prayerfully think about Ask God to bring to awareness a handful of names, at least one or two, maybe four or five. Um, Maybe the names will be brought to your heart and mind. Maybe just their face will be brought to your mind's eye. Invite God to lay in your heart who you should um, invite to, to serve in this role, and then I want to encourage you to email Stephen Aoki and to give him uh, your recommendations uh, for who might serve, be considered to serve. And here's what happens. Our deacon nominating committee, they, they look through, work through the names, and they begin to call people on that list, and once we have the, secured the right number of people who have agreed to serve, then those names are put forward for vote for the church we're working on. Uh, We hope sometime in September to try to call together a family meeting where we might do some decision-making together. So that's all I've got this morning. I do pray that you would seriously, if you are asked to serve as a deacon, that you will take seriously. And you won't just dismiss it out of hand, but you'll you'll ask the Lord if indeed this is the moment that he has called you into this ministry. There may be legitimate reasons that you would say no uh, or that this isn't the right time. But I I do want you to take it seriously, and I encourage you to do so, and I want to pray for you now as you do. In Jesus' name, we pray, God, that uh, we would have wisdom as church members together, that you would give us the wisdom that we need in offering recommendations for those that we have seen your spirit at work in, people uh, that we have seen wisdom displayed in their life. and in the way that they, they handle their affairs of life. We see the wisdom in that, and we think that they can serve spiritually and tangibly the needs of your church, as a deacon. So we ask you as church members to give us wisdom in this matter. We pray, too, that if, if I happen to be someone who is called and asked to consider being a deacon, then I would take seriously a prayer. I would take it to prayer. I would seek your, your guiding hand in it. And, Lord, that you would impress on my heart of your desire for me in this season of deacon ministry, and knowing that it won't be easy, knowing that it will be costly, knowing that I will be challenged through it, that I can't—I don't know of any other way that faith really grows than uh, than being sacrificial and being challenged and being confronted in areas where I need to grow along the way. And so, what a gift it is to serve as a deacon. Not that I have everything put together. That I want to be put together in you as you would lead me and teach me, God. So, guide us, we pray, Holy Spirit, with wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.